the Cal Halbert Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever, the first ever of the Cal Halbert, I don't know how to say it, the first ever Cal Halbert Podcast, but is technically called the Cal Halbert Podcast, you know. So, uh, welcome to the first the, of the Cal, I don't know. It's the first episode of this podcast that I'm doing now, all right? That's what I'm doing. So I thought, I racked my brains, who should I have as my first guest? And I thought, I know exactly who I want, my good friend, Cheryl Ferguson. Now, me and Cheryl worked together in a pantomime a few years ago. Oh, <laughs> oh yes, we did. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, oh, I know, I know, I know. Uh, me and Cheryl worked together in a panto uh, called Rapunzel. You probably know Cheryl best as Heather Trot from EastEnders. She's a wonderfully funny lady, and I love her very, very much. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it in chat with my friend Cheryl. So here we go. The Cal Halbert Podcast. Well, I'm very pleased to say that on the podcast today, I've got the one, the only, the spectacular Cheryl Ferguson, everybody. Welcome, Cheryl. Woohoo! Hello, Cal. This is amazing. I love <laughs> this. I love your new show. I think this is just like what, what we need. A bit of fun, a bit of impressions. I hope you're doing a few impressions there, mate. <laughs> a, bit, a bit of everything, because, you know, you, uh, you filled my days when I worked with you. So I, I, loved, I loved working with you, and you just, you're just fun. So I hope everybody uh, listens to it, watches this, listens to it, you know, and uh, watches it. We're not quite on that level no. yet, are we? No, I'm not that posh yet. I'm not that posh. <laughs> Soon. One, Soon. one day when I have my own TV show, you'll be the first Ax. guest, Cheryl. <laughs> Bless you, my lesion. Bless you, my lesion. <laughs> so how have you been? Obviously, with lockdown, uh, our industries have been absolutely taken down by the knees, haven't they? Yeah, we've been blasted. blasted, And it's kind of, um, it's been a shock to the system. But you know what was really strange? Like uh, most people in our profession, we have to keep sane. We have to keep creative. So we keep sort of finding things to do. And I keep finding ye olde skills that I kind of had a long time ago. Um, Other than the fire eating and the juggling, um, I haven't sort of done that. But um, Things that, you know, I just thought, oh, gosh, I better get that instrument out and have a go at that for a little while and see if I can play that again. And yeah. lo and behold, you know, um, it, it, I can do it. So I'm kind of I'm which, finding uh, which instruments are they? Oh, I've got, I've, I'm sitting in my sort of conservatory thing. I'm just trying to describe it. A conservatory stroke another bedroom if anybody stays. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, in front of me, I have two, four, six, eight guitars. Wow. Um, I have uh, three barons. I have a saxophone. Um, I have an absolute basket full of percussion that I've picked up from all over the world. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a keyboard um, sort of look that's not a piano, but is kind of like a piano. Um, that's my son's, but I've nicked it. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's kind of, and you know, uh, um, I'm tripping over sort of that and thinking, oh, I've got all these. And I've, I used to sort of play these quite proficiently. And now um, I just kind of think, oh, maybe I'm just one of those yeldy folk singers who dabble a bit, you know, and, and go, <laughs> but it's, no, 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 I'm finding my way back and, and actually using it on my sort of uh, uh, Instagram feeds that I do live and, and just trying to keep my supporters because, I mean, I have to say I'm very blessed with the people who support what I do yeah. um, and have done it for a long time. Um, and I just feel like I have to give this back 
at the moment while I can. And if you think about it, Cal, and I'm sure that other people uh, you've had on, on your podcast have, have basically said the same thing, that in our industry, um, the only thing that's kept people sane is the stuff in our industry. So, yeah. you know, if you took away for a day, just a day, everything like music, television, gaming, blah, blah, all those things that we contribute to, how would the world survive if they just wouldn't? So I don't understand why, you know, people are not pumping, really pumping money back into our industry and really kind of looking after our industry because we are the ones that have kept people going through this um, this sort of uh, sad madness, you know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree with you. We were saying just before we started recording about that the first lockdown was a bit of, it was, I mean, I'll hold my hands up to it, it was a bit of a novelty. Uh, yes, and then was, yeah. and you go, oh, this is great. I, I never normally get to watch this morning. What's going on here? I want to. This is great. You know? <laughs> but then, and then you once there, we had that little break, and then we went into another lockdown. And we were yeah. saying before, it was Panto that that hit us the most because yes. we we first yeah. met working together on a Panto in uh, Whitley Bay up here in the northeast. Yes. Uh, yeah. We were doing Rapunzel, and and I love that. I have to say, I have to say um, that. I've done quite a few pantos in my time and I yeah. do have favourite panto producers and, you know, favourite venues. But I have to say that, you know, Reese Sybil Productions, it, brilliant. Yeah. And he's, they're so professional. And for I didn't realise he was such a young man when I met yeah. him. He's only a young lad. And I just go, go on, son. Do you know what I mean? This is, just do it. And they just look amazing and they're, they're brilliant production. I'm not, I'm not just bigging it up because I want, might want another job in the future, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he genuinely, 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 um, him and his team are fantastic. I know you work with him quite a bit, don't you? Yeah, I, you? I, I do. Yeah. And the one thing that you do that I find with Reese is that he he cares about his productions. He's not there to make money. He's there to make a good show. Do you know? And that's yeah, yeah. first and, and if foremost can, to him. Yeah, I mean that 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 was very obvious. Um, for somebody like myself who's done quite a few and and. You know, I hate to say bigger productions. I mean, bigger venues, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, yeah. because they were filled. You know, we we, we had um we had uh, fantastic fantastic houses, but it was um I think it was just for me exactly what you said. The fact that he cared and that to me is like that's the most sort of important thing because if you, you've got to care about your audience, you've got to care about what they want, and you've got to care about the quality. And he just nailed it he nailed it and i just i wish him absolutely you know top of the billing and you know for for producers for the future i really really do i think he's getting there if i'm yes, honest i think so yeah that yeah so panto was panto was the thing this year that i missed um but i kind of missed and i didn't you know that yeah, kind I mean, of when i first thought the the idea of a christmas off was brilliant i thought whoa I get a Christmas off. This is great. But then after yes. about two, three weeks, I was just kind of sat there twiddling my thumbs going. Yeah. And financially, it's, it kills you. I <laughs> yeah. mean, you know, I mean, anything in our industry that means you're not getting anything coming into the bank and the bank manager's going, excuse me, not knocking on your door. You know, it's like, <laughs> hello. Uh, uh, yeah, well, the rest of the world, mate, is just uh, in debt and up to their eyeballs. So, you know, please stop knocking at mine. Um, but it's... Um, you know, it's it, it it was financially crushing, but um, creatively, uh, I just thought, gosh, this this is something that's really happened here for for big productions to kind of um, 
to go down. But having said that, and I'll be honest with you here, and I might be kind of, I don't know if I'm breaking my own back here by saying this, but I kind of believe this truly. I got a bit angry with the way that certain pantos were kept on and money completely pumped into them, Mm. disregarding all the smaller and um, all the other ones that have put complete and utter uh, everything into it. You know, their lives kind of depended on it. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of them, you know, they they might miss a couple of millions. You know what I mean? (laughs) I was like, I was thinking, hang on a second here. If you're going to give pump money into things, divide it as equally as you can, because, it's always, you know, it, it's it's life, isn't it? It's always the yeah. big cheeses that don't always necessarily need the help. And, um, you know, and I just found, I found that a little bit. And also it was a little bit like, again, for me, regionalists, because I now live up the North East, uh, Northwest. Sorry, you live in the Northwest. Yeah. I live in the Northwest. And I just, found, you know, I, I'm actually getting a little bit sick of everybody going, it all happens in London. It all happens in <laughs> London. And you go, it doesn't all happen in London. You know, we, we are greater than London. And yeah. I know this being a Londoner. I love London. You know, I was born there. I'm born and bred. But I just kind of think we've got to open our eyes a bit here and just kind of go, ooh, you know, it's not all about that, you know, that city on the river. There it's is about there, there is still that like old fashioned thing, you go, Oh, I want to be an actor, I want to be a comedian. Well, you've got to get to London then. You've got to go down yes, to London. Yes. And you go, No, I don't. Is it it's your mentality yes. that stops yeah, comedy absolutely. clubs and theatres opening up here? That's why. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And and yeah, and and I just I find it really, you know, again, you know, I don't you know, again putting a sort of, you know, <laughs> back gun to my head here. But um and I you know, I will take these risks because I don't you know, I don't believe in kind of letting back. But I just, I think, you know, I don't like being told what is my entertainment. I like it to be told. I like it to be discovered. And I like to discover it in different places. And um, my, you know, my son, um, he's 21 and he's at Lipper, which is in Liverpool. He's at uh, Liverpool Institute for Arts. Yeah. And he loves it there. I mean, obviously, they're all doing online at the moment. And, you know, again, for a drama course, it's kind of difficult to be doing any course, you know, yeah. filming television. It's okay for limited but you know you, you need the one-to-one contacts you need the, to work with your colleagues to know how it works you know that's the that's the our profession mm-hmm. but um he said mum I wouldn't go down to London if they paid me now I might yeah. my heart is here and and I and and when I hear people going oh I've got to go to London drama school and he's going well actually you know you can get everything you need in these other cities further north of Watford you know it's yeah. it's, it's easy done and nine times out of ten, I actually think the the quality is better. Yes. Simply down to the fact that you go because we're not London, we have to be better. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think as well, you know, a lot of it can go by tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, when <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember getting an audition. Uh, it took me three years to get into a drama school, and I did go to a drama school in London. But I did community theatre and theatre and education. I didn't do um, what I call posh acting. Yes, and. Um, and because of kind of keeping it real and keeping it where my roots are, do you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I'm I'm more into devising and working in workshops, and, and education to me is the key for everything. You know, you don't you don't get by in life unless you educate people or educate yourself. So yeah. to me, that's the most important thing. But um, I, you know, I went for auditions at places like Rada, and I, I mean, one of my best 
like one of my favorite people in the whole world. I call him my big brother in real life. He's Steve McFadden. Yes. Uh, he's Phil Mitchell. And, you know, we are in touch with each other, you know, weekly, you know, um, all there's just a very, very close connection with him and his family. And he went to RADA. And I remember saying to him, I, I went to an audition three times to that place. And you're mug was on the wall uh every time i went and i remember thinking oh that that's what you got to do to get into eastenders you know you got to be go to rada and i remember thinking oh it's stuffy and that you know and it didn't really it, the, it just like the walls were caving in on me and i yeah. thought i don't know that you know this this prestige doesn't necessarily mean um it means success in what way? I don't know how, you know, there are people like Steve who works his way there. There are yeah. people, you know, who have family names that live on and on and on. And they go, <laughs> yeah. you go, okay. Um, so a little bit of me sort of rebelled all of that a little bit, you know, and I kind of went, nah, it's not, it's not my cup of tea really. But, um, but, you know, and good luck to everybody who goes there and does it. And I think, you know, uh, the, you know the, the key is, uh, it's like my son. I, I always say to my son, he got into drama school without anybody knowing that I was his mum, which was fantastic because he, yeah. he forged my signature for everything. <laughs> he forged my, my married name, which is totally different, to get into things and to have auditions. And when he actually got auditions and got um, onto the next phase, uh, and I said, brilliant, son, you know, and, you know, there's a little bit of you kind of, there's a little bit of the ego goes, do they know who your mummy is? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, and he went, no, and that's where I steer absolutely clear. And I just, and I learned actually from him that um, I never had anybody in my family. I was the first one in my family to kind of do all of this uh, malarkey. You know, everybody else was like postman and things like that. Yeah. I could have been the postwoman, but, um, uh, but you know, and, and he's got that complete mentality of I have to work hard at this. I, it doesn't matter, you know, yes, I, I've been lucky enough to be brought up with my mum who knows how the profession works and I get advice from her, but there's no way. If she said to me, well, you know, why don't you just ring this person, you know, and say, you know, or would you like me to ring that person? And he goes, no, absolutely, yeah. full stop, no, because he wants to do it on his own. And I think that should be everybody's kind of mentality of going, right, you know what, I, I don't, I came, I came in here on this earth on my own uh, let's try and do it on my own. And I, there's no harm in saying, can you help me? Mm -hmm. And there's no harm in, um, you know, uh, being pointed in the right direction. Yeah. But there's a great satisfaction if you can achieve it yourself. You know, there is a, the, yeah. and I'm not saying don't have a helping hand because, you know, everybody struggles. And, you know, you look at the pandemic and you go, flipping it, that's playing with people's uh, brains and the strongest people's brains. It's really pushing them and challenging them to the limit mm -hmm. um and even myself i've just i've doubted stuff about myself during this pandemic and gone oh, i don't think i can do that anymore or, or, or oh my gosh you know maybe i'm becoming a bit of a hermit and i, I you know I, I want to stay indoors i don't want to go outside yeah I, I th but also on top of that what um kind of i found difficult is my partner started working from home so which, right. which loads of people's partners do anyway but <laughs> He's in the way. Do you know? What I mean? oh. <laughs> you know when you go. Would well, you? I normally walk around here a couple of times. I walk around the flat quite a bit, and then uh, I might do that. I might do that. But then, ultimately, to a non-creative person, and I don't want to be all that. Mm, yeah, it's my art, but it's kind. It's kind <laughs> of like, well, 
this is this is just how I work. Do you know what I mean? I just kind of walk yeah, about a bit. I look yeah. at the birds for about a bit. Then I, <coughs> then I chat to the fish, and then yes. I go, oh, "Hello, fish. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah." And three hours have passed. I've done nothing, but in my head, it is it's all working. I am still working. But yeah. to yeah. any person that is desk job or any other like a normal job, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, it looks like I've done note. <laughs> I know, I know, and it, and it gets a bit annoying because that's when the arguments start. Yeah. If they turn around and say, "Well, you haven't even washed the cup up, gal. What's going on?" <laughs> you know, uh, let, you know, and it's, it is. It's a, a very weird thing. I think. I think our our crea- us creatives um, work. Our brains work in a very sort of bizarre way. Yeah. Um, sometimes we're logical. We're logical in the right places, and other times we're not. So it take. I think it takes a very strong person to even live in the same house as anybody uh, like us, which is why I could never, well, I'm not, I'm married to a a non-creative in that respect, you know, I'm a non-person in our industry. And I think that's healthy because, um, you know, I couldn't, I I don't know. Can you imagine two two lots of us walking around, Cal? What would (laughs) be unbearable? We'd be fighting for the fish. (laughs) We'd be fighting for the fish. Be like, no, it's my turn to look. No, it's my turn to to uh, feed Gertrude, not you. (laughs) Go and do something else. Go and look. Go and talk to the plants. Um, You know, it's exactly it. Exactly it. Yeah, but it's um. Yeah, I I think like you said, in all seriousness, there's um. There's been a lot of problems, haven't there, with people's relationships in this in lockdown because they're finding that they've never spent so much time together. Yeah. And it's kind of it it can be make or break for some people. I think you have to look at it and go, I think you have to sit there, right? This this is my theory. I think you have to sit there um from a distance in the doorway with your cup of tea. <laughs> I think you have to look at your partner whilst they're working and or doing or sitting watching telly or scratching their bits or whatever it is that they're doing and you have to find the love again you have to think what is it not not what i see now but what is it that i fell in love with that person in the first place and then and and you ask them to do the same exercise and somewhere along the line i think the disney magic might start again because i just feel that um it's either that or they'll go well you turned into cruella de vil you know to me you you were once you you were once cinderella and you've turned into cruella de vil but uh, and and that's um that's that's obviously not very nice to hear actually but um (laughs) but i think uh, uh, that that's not from experience by the way i have to say um, you know but um uh no i do i do believe that you have to kind of tread carefully and never has the word compromise come so so um much in 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 uh, i think this lockdown where you do have to compromise and you do have to share that you know it's either sharing the TV and discovering that you can watch things together or there's separate rooms with separate televisions. Yeah, we're quite good. We're quite good in that we've got separate rooms, with separate televisions. My partner works from home and I have a small office elsewhere. So I go yeah. to my office that's isolated. So that so there is that sort of aspect of we do have time apart sort of thing so he can yeah. work and i can work and also does he get visiting orders to come and see you does he get visiting orders to come see you in your cell does he... <laughs> <I'm>... 
Absolutely not. Absolutely. This is my cell. I like my cell. <laughs> you get let out once a week to go to the library. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely it. And they've got a fish tank there, so I chat to the fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cheryl, people people will best know you as uh, Heather Trot in EastEnders, but you've mm-hmm. been in so many other shows as well, with the likes of Hello, Hello, Little Britain, Doctor Who, Casualty, uh, The It Crowd, uh, and you're also in Celebrity Big Brother. We'll come to that uh, in a bit. But um, am I right in thinking that you were in EastEnders for an episode, not as Heather Trott? Yes. Uh, two years before, um, I played, <laughs> talking about prison cells, I played a <laughs> inmate who was uh, a friend of uh, Moe's. Right, so okay. you can imagine, imagine what sort of character she was. Um, and she was uh, very... Well, if anybody's seen... Well, you probably can't see it now. I was going to say the Little Britain sketches have been pulled down, haven't they? Which is unfortunately, um, I think, unfortunately sad because it was of its era. Um, but I do understand it, of course. I'm not saying mm. that they're they're not without their reasons. And I know David and Matt have apologised. But um, I, 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 you know, uh, there's, a, there's characters within those and that's observation, I think. Yeah. I, think there's, I think a lot of comedy is about observation and obs- observing people. It depends how far you go with it, I think. Of course, that's, yeah my theory on that but um no the, yeah, in going back to the the scene in eastenders i basically it was a, a setup for when um uh cat moon um jesse wallace had been away from eastenders for a while and she was coming back she'd had a baby and she was coming back into eastenders and how they could they introduce it and basically it dis- you discovered that mo came to visit me her friend and um in the background at the end of the doof doofs as we call them which is the doof doofs at the end um you heard cat in and it was clear that she was in prison with me yeah. and that's where she'd been so um you know she was causing a rumpus in there but um yeah it was very bizarre and they they kind of had a rule or they had a rule then of if you have been in it before you can't come back in it as a different character you got to wait at least two years right um or they the writers have to wait two years if they're going to create a new character or you know if they're going to recreate and quite a few people actually in enders have played people before in it um even linda who played uh, shirley yeah. she played mandy's mum years ago uh, before she was shirley do you know it's really really weird um, i i the na- her name escapes me um but who's in eastenders now um and she's chantelle's mum um, in it, uh, who has just died? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And she, she was a previous character as well. She was somebody's yes. mum picking them up from school and stuff. Yeah, and you go, yeah, oh. absolutely. And you do, yeah. you do. Cry. Her name escapes me, so forgive no, me. No, the, ca- the character is Karen. No, yeah, Ka- it is Karen. Karen. Yeah, 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 Karen. But, yeah, the, but the character, a- the actress's name uh, escapes me, so I apologise to, to her. But, yeah, uh, well, that's what I'm saying. So a lot of people have been, um, you know, uh, were previous characters, but I was very lucky. I mean, uh, it was one of those situations that. Um, uh, the writer, um, which I've now actually recently uh, found out that the person who created Heather, uh, that created the character of Heather, yeah. is now a producer on on the Bay, which is quite um, wow. was quite. Uh, I looked. I 
sort of looked and follow him on on social media and then yeah. so, when i when he sort of said oh can't wait for the bay to come out you know and, and i thought oh fantastic what's what which character has he created in that and then <laughs> I, and then when i looked at the titles i thought well he's up he's up to his game a bit he's gonna become a producer what's... so um yeah so good, good on him alex you know if there's anything else for me and cal to be in don't forget it us please <laughs> um, uh that's Alex Lamb, by the way, if anybody knows what's that. Uh, but he, uh, no, but yeah, so they wrote Heather and I didn't realise, I thought a lot of people had gone up for the part of Heather, mm -hmm. but um, they just, um, they'd written it because I, the, the casting director and the main head of the woman casting there, Julia Crampsey, I, I'd known a long time. I knew her right. before she was pre-enders um, and she worked her way up. up through the ranks and and became where she was mm -hmm. um and never had i ever thought that she would remember me in that respect but um she obviously got me in for the part of the bit before and i thought oh fantastic thank you julia Any, anything helps in that respect you know? <laughs> um and then um literally two years later um heather trot came up and i didn't know i just went into a room did a did a camera tape um came away and I thought it was a bit odd because there was nobody waiting outside normally you you're you know you wait in a waiting room don't you and there's like yeah. 75 people that either look like you or don't look like you <laughs> and you just think what is this for are these for the same characters so you cannot you can see people that are potentially up for the part that you're up for yeah. uh, in the waiting room but there was nobody in there and I thought oh well it was towards the end of the day I thought oh well that's probably the Vadimal you know um but literally I found out afterwards that that um uh, you know, I've been I've been the only person to go up for it, um, and and for you to audition was just a formality sort of thing. Well, I don't know, I don't know about that. I mean, if, if I've been absolutely rubbish, I think they would have tried to find someone else. <laughs> quick. Um, but um, clearly, whatever it was, and I and I think the best bit I remember that the thing I remember the most was when I actually got the job, and I got was able to go in and talk you sort of sit around and talk to with the script writers and right. the producers and everybody you have a little meeting and this meeting they were asking me questions like what do you think about this and what do you think? so I had a lot of input into um into Heather and um not about the writing as much but about her character so things like the headbands was my fault it was my problem and in the end it gave me a lot of headaches literally because if you wear a headband cal and i recommend you do this a plastic one if you wear a plastic headband for more than two to three hours a day you will end up taking quite a lot of paracetamol <laughs> for the headache because it hurts it digs in your, it digs in your, your your scalpel not scalpels what's it called what's that it digs in your bit in the sides and it gives you a headache it, i think on your pressure points that's it yeah, yeah it digs, and um so in the end i sort of said oh i think she has these headbands because i think her dad had said she was beautiful with her headband when she was little and that's what she remembers of her dad and and they were like you know they took all this on board and there i was with a load of plastic headbands and i thought oh no now i've got to wear this um and now i put myself in it and um and actually you know they, they are sort of heather's traits really her headbands yeah. um so that was kind of yeah that was my idea and in the end i i, I savvied round um i even went <laughs> i used to go headband shopping myself and try to find <laughs> headbands that were not so hurty and yeah. they were things like uh ones that had material on or a bit of foam in it you know mm -hmm. so uh, but so yeah no it was it was a, a fantastic time there i absolutely adored it and I, I i can't believe i've been out of it longer than i was in it yeah 
um i've i still obviously people still go oh that's heather trot you know uh, yeah. oh look there's heather hev get shouted out hev a lot of- but heather to me heather trot's one of those characters that nobody ever forgets there's characters that have probably been in it longer than heather but people have forgotten that character but heather yeah. was was so iconic and uh actually i wanted to ask you this was uh the obviously heather adored george michael uh was yeah. was that your influence or was that something that was already written no no i i um i've always loved the music of wham i've always loved george michael i've always known he was a talent um yeah. and they said look heather loves the 80s and i went oh that's good um and then they said and actually, she's obsessed with George Michael. Now, they'd said that. And I went, and I went, oh, that's that's great. Thank you. And secretly, inwardly, I was going, yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> I thought, I know something. At least I know something about this artist. You know, if they'd have given me a ha, I yeah. would have been a bit, I would have been a bit flummoxed. You know, I would have thought, <laughs> well, I know, I know take on me, but that's about it. And I know they think they're Norwegian, but I would have had to have done a lot more research than obviously the one and only George Michael, but the fantastic thing. And I think for me, the absolute beauty of, of that um, was that I knew that George watched EastEnders. He'd been on the set a few times before previously I'd come. Um, and he was completely and utterly humbled by the fact that my character loved him in it yeah. and that I even named my child in it after him yes yeah, um, yeah. that that he became that he sent me almost monthly almost monthly he sent me presents signed things um flowers all sorts of things and there was even one episode that um I, I told the producers about um which was there's an episode a very famous episode um where we broke into George Michael's house yes I remember it yeah um, yeah, and that came from a kind of real story. Not that I broke into George Michael's house. I didn't need to do that. But what happened was was that one day, uh, the guy who plays Minty, uh, Cliff Parisi, lived across the road from George Michael in Highgate. Mm-hmm. And what we went to George's house, and we were on the way to go to EastEnders, Linda and I, and we just popped off at Cliff's for a cup of tea because it's up that way. And um, he said, oh, George Michael lives there. Sting lives there, blah, blah, blah. He was telling us all where they lived across the road from him. And I was like, oh, really? So they said, oh, you'll have a walk. Let's have a look. I said, yeah, I want to have a look at this. I want to have a look at this house. Yeah. So as we walked past, Linda, because she was a little bit of a one for it, prank prankster, pressed the buzzer on the gate and they did a run. They ran. They literally ran. Left it Because I haven't run since 1973 now. I just could stood there going, what are you doing? And looking at them going, what are you doing? Suddenly a sash window from above raised up. And this these two marigolds popped out. And I thought, oh no, I'm going to get into trouble. This lady went, yes, can I help you? And I went, uh, like a little child, I went. Sorry, is George Michael there? <laughs> like, a, like a, like a little chicken. Can George she go went, out to play? Oh, is that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That. And she went. Oh my God! She went. It's Heather Trot, and she ran down the stairs. And I, she went. Hold on, hold on. She came down. She came to the gate. And she went. I'm so sorry. She went. George isn't in at the moment. And I went. Oh. She went. Well, he's getting ready for his tour, and we're just sorting his tour out. And I went. Oh. I said. Well, never mind. I said. Could you just say that I, I just popped to say hello? I was like being a fr- by then. I could see Cliff and Linda thinking, "What? Who's she talking to at the gate?" So they then, having run miles, they had to walk all the way back to me to find out what was going on. But then 
weirdly, what happened was when we got to EastEnders that afternoon, Linda and I, for our, our work, we arrived at EastEnders and Angela on the help desk said to me, she, she, she's on the help desk and she gets phone calls from people all the time yeah. and she gets people phoning up for bizarre questions. And she turned around and said, oh, Cheryl, guess what? I've had another prank phone call again. But, I, I, you know, in my professional way, I handled it very well. And I went, oh, I said, what was it this time? I said, because, you know, she was always laughing. So people sort of say, oh, can you tell Heather to wear this under her tabard? <laughs> yeah, very bizarre things. Um, and I said, oh, what? And I was looking forward to it. I said, what is it? And she went, well, um, somebody phoned up. I said, she said, I was very polite to him. And she said, somebody phoned up and said, oh, hello, it's George Michael here. Could you just say thank you very much uh, for Cheryl? I'm sorry I wasn't there when Cheryl popped by. <laughs> And she went, and she went delusional. Is it delusional? And I went, no, Angela, it was true. And she went, what? And I went, and I told her the story. And I went, did he really phone up? And she went, yeah, yeah. So that was the kind of weird start to me kind of getting to know George and his partner at the time then, Faddy. Um, and we, uh, he was just a gentleman, a talent, lovely man. He, you know, we had photos taken. I, I was invited to the house. I was invited. Um, and then Faddy and I became very good friends. He was a photographer and into a lot of things. So we, we you know, we would go to uh, George's other house, um, another house, and we'd sort of have cups of tea and things. But it, it was just one of those things. I was completely devastated the, the day, you yeah. know, Christmas Day when we heard. And so... Um, yeah, but only just... only George Michael would go out on Christmas Day, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely, and um, you know, it, absolutely, and uh, you know, I think uh, I think when you sort of, if you you know, when you know, if you knew him a little bit, even a slight little bit, I mean, I you know, obviously, I wasn't his best friend, you know, as as such, but if you knew something of him, you actually knew exactly what a kind man he is so you know all the stuff that happens in the press you just go you know that's the price you have to live for just trying to live you know yeah. it's and live the way you want to live you know and we we know famously uh, for him writing songs like outside and stuff like that 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 you know his um his 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 relationships with men um were so important to him and it was like you know he 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 took a long time to come out as a mm -hmm. as a as a young man, but by goodness, you know he he set a, a flame alight when he did come out, and I just I you know I you know I I just hold that up to to everybody and go just look at the talent, look yeah. at what he did, it's amazing. I I completely agree with you. He was, and I I think that's something that the press never do do, so to speak, is that. George Michael, there's numerous reports of him being such a, a warm, generous man, and they never yeah. ever focus on that, do they? Never no, focus on it. No. And, but that's that, that's in general anyway. A lot of yeah. them, you know, they'll they'll build you up when it suits and then they'll knock you down. Um, and you have to be resilient. And it's it's very difficult. I mean, I know even being in the public eye to the small extent that I I am and, and I was even more so then in Enders that it's it's difficult to kind of live uh, in inverted commas normal life but yeah. but actually uh you know i can't imagine i can't i actually physically sometimes can't imagine when you are uh in that in that to the degree that you have to kind of really be um so careful of, of literally everything you do that's how they become hermits or actually yeah. you know they, they end up taking something because they can't 
kind of cope with a lot of stuff. You know, there's a lot of um, tragedy in it because, you know, it's it's just, it's it's very, very sad. I'm thinking about a lot of people who, uh, who you know, like Robin Williams, great the great Robin Williams yeah. who um, took his own life and things. And you just go, goodness me, you know, the pressure on these people. And, you know, it's like, I know there's probably but more it, to it. It also, it also shows that the amount of pressure these people have, but the amount of love for the likes of Robin Williams and George and George and totally um, and it, totally. all that love means nothing when when you've got something like depression that that Robin yeah. suffered with and stuff because none of that matters because it's it's an it's an evil illness uh, depression yeah and stuff absolutely, like that. And it, absolutely. It, it really really um really damages yeah. people and people around them it, it really doesn't um yeah one positive to, to, to depression is that it isn't discriminative <laughs> i'll give it that absolutely, absolutely not and uh and it, you know it, there's, there's no rhyme or reason when it happens i mean you know i think it's a very it's a very interesting um thing in life like i was it's a little bit like i was saying earlier it doesn't matter how strong you are or what you've been through yeah you can be tested and you can doubt yourself. And so for me, who's quite, who's a very positive person, who's very strong. I think I'm very strong and very positive, very, uh, you know, optimistic, you know, um, my, my cup isn't half full. I'm just glad I've got a cup, yeah. you know, that's how I sort of see it. Um, and, um, but I just, I just, it's, it's like, I mean, we are the human species and there are going to be weaker and stronger there's always that is it it's in the of animal course. kingdom it's everywhere um in the plants and in, in everything but i just can't i just feel my heart it absolutely goes out to somebody and i don't i'm not i thought i was a fixer and i i, I think i am a fixer and i realize i can't fix everything mm -hmm. so when somebody is like that i can just and i can't even understand how they feel i can't i it's um you know i i i, I can understand this is this is my saying i can understand that I can never understand, but I'll support you. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And that's how that's how I feel uh, about a lot of things in life. Um, and I hope you know it, it's got to be like that elephant effect, isn't it? You know where you're you've got an elephant holding on to another elephant's tail, and yeah. another one holding on to an elephant's tail. If one of those elephants just let go of the tail and turn around and look to the elephant behind them, it would just make that difference. And that's all we have to do. We just have to kind of sometimes break the chain and not be not be the elephant who's holding the other person's tail, you know, and, and stuff. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I, this lockdown makes you think about a lot of things. But having said that, having we've, said that, we've all become I'm philosophers. Full of, <laughs> I'm full of, I'm full of positivity. That's me. <laughs> well, Heather's best friend in EastEnders was Shirley. Um, and, I can tell, or like even before I met you, and uh, you told me about uh, Linda, is that you clearly get on so well, so so yeah. well, and that must have made it so much easier to to play best friends in a show. Yeah, I mean, I was quite nervous when I first met her. I remember driving up to the thing, and there was this woman outside having a cigarette and uh, uh, standing on the veranda, and I knew it was Linda. And I, my first literally sort of day of going in filming, and I was just, I, I you know, she looked hard faced. Do you know what I mean? There was something about, I thought, oh my God, she could be like, I don't know how this is going to be, mm. really. So I hadn't met her before that. Um, but she she literally went, do you do you smoke? And, and I didn't at the time, I remember. And I just went, mm, sometimes. <laughs> I sort of lied, I was scared. <laughs> and then she offered me 
a, 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 a menthol Vogue. <laughs> and I took it and started smoking it. <laughs> and awfully, awfully, I then sort of started smoking menthol Vogue uh, uh, until my son used to get my packets of cigarettes and literally crumple them up and cry in front of me going, you're going to die. I don't want you to die. Mommy. So I, that kind of lasted about two, three years of smoking, which is very bizarre. Um, very bizarre. I don't blame Linda Henry for that. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, I, um, I had tried cigarettes before then, but wasn't really into them. Um, but, um, but I, I, it kind of, you know, that, that, and the sort of, a uh, sandwich and a fizzy drink on the way home got me through Enders, you know, if we'd had a long day of filming. But, um, you know, it was, um, yeah, she, it was it was lovely to meet her. She was just very generous. We clicked straight away. We are, we are funsters. I remember going to, um, uh, driving to work, and we would, even picking her up in the morning, I knew what her mood would be when she picked up. <laughs> very early in the morning, she had her pyjamas on still. Um, that was quite funny. And she'd get in the car, and, you know, you didn't speak for the first 15 minutes, and then she'd say, can we stop off at baby Tesco's and get um, a cup of coffee? And I'd go, yes, of course I can. And then I'd know she'd liven up then. And um, halfway through getting to EastEnders, um, we'd be doing little pranks. Like, you know those vans where they've got on the back, can you phone this number if I'm driving well? Yes. All of that sort of thing. She'd literally be on the phone. I'd go, what are you doing? She'd go, hold on a minute. And she'd literally go, hello, um, in front of me, there's van, da 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 da. And she do the registration, and you could hear them going, "Yes, yes." And she'd have it on sort of last week, and she'd go, um, "Could you just tell the uh, t- tell the person who's driving that van that they're quite good looking?" <laughs> That's it. And then she'd be like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's just things like that that made me chuckle. We chuckled on the way to work. We chuckled on the way back. Um, yeah, we didn't have a bad word. I mean, there's so, there's quite a few outtakes. I've, I found a thing that there's lots of outtakes, and it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. And we used to get, you know, we used to get uh, told off quite a lot for, um, you know, nonstop laughing. But, uh, yeah, it was a f- very fun time, Cal. You know what I mean? We had great fun there. Really good. You were in Celebrity Big Brother. Tell me a bit about that. Oh, you mean the Ikea set? (laughs) Uh, I think anybody who thinks it's a real house is delusional. And, uh, you know, it's um, my only regret for that is that um, and is the only regret is that uh, once you've been in Big Brother, you can't do the jungle. They have a rule. The jungle have a rule that you can't do the jungle if you've been in Big Brother first. You can do the jungle and then go into Big Brother, right. although Big Brother's not on at the moment, which is why you've seen some people do jungle and brother. But you cannot do. So there's a lot of people, if you think about it, a lot of people who have been in the Big Brother house and you think, well, why haven't they been in the jungle? Yeah. That's because the rule of ITV is that you can't go into the jungle if you've been in Big Brother first. And I wish I hadn't done it that way around because my big thing was I wanted to do the jungle. And that was purely to jump out of a plane on a man's back. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been my own stipulation that I came flew in by air, but a man was underneath me in case it, the parachute did the thing and I could land on him rather than me. <laughs> I didn't think that I could possibly die at the same time, but I thought Lee might be a soft landing, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, but um, no, Big Brother was an experience. It was uh, I picked the one to do in the summer. It mm-hmm. was not long come out of Enders. Uh, I picked the one to do in the summer. It had a swimming pool and I ran, like I said, I haven't run since 1973, but I ran to the bed when they opened the bedrooms up to get to the window 
uh, bed, the single bed by the window that was by the pool so that I would not have to wake up to other people in the morning, but I could wake up to the view of the garden and the pool. Yes. That was my that was my thought in my head. Little did I know that they locked you in at night in your room, in, your, in the bedroom, um, obviously with, you know, toilet facilities and stuff, but um, they locked you in your bedroom at night. So you have to take everything in your bedroom that you want to take in. You can't get in the kitchen until they unlock it again for the morning. Um, but but all of a sudden, when, you, when, you, when you're going to bed at night or whenever they decide, you know, whenever they decide to turn the lights out or put these shutters go down <laughs> the window like, this <laughs> <laughs> and it, it literally i need this more then does the life out of you you just go oh my god and the shutters come down and of course you don't know what they're rearranging the garden for or whatever they're doing um yeah. so it was a little bit of a um i might wait to that shutter going up in the morning because <laughs> <laughs> you know and then you go oh no not not good but um it was fun I never got involved in any of the arguments. I didn't get involved in any of the thing. But my my thing about it is that there should be a uh, there should be two programs of, of Big Brother. One is the one that we all watch, the edited version, and another one should be where we have a camera on our head and we sit. Um, and that's the most interesting bit when you're sitting having conversations with people. Um, and obviously, if they're conversations that are allowed and not, um, you know, not libelous. But if you're having a conversation with someone, you find out so much more about them. And if the camera is on you having that conversation with the person you can then find out more and i yeah. found out so much more about people the reasons why they behaved like they did the reasons why you know my my um there was a woman who was in there called samantha brick mm -hmm. and i i'd read and she 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 was like the katie hopkins before she went in she was yeah. like one of these that said fat people shouldn't be on telly and she was such a horrible writer against women uh, in in the column that she wrote and things that she would say and i just thought why are you like this what is going on so when we actually had conversations with her i then discovered i mean she was the cook of the house and if you were the cook of the house you you know you got brownie points as such <laughs> um, and um, so she would cook and she was amazing and in the end when i discovered the reasons why she was like she was and, and you know in my head i was going you know and i'd have conversations with colleen about this because colleen Nolan was in with me and i said gosh you know you know no wonder she's like she is because of this that and the other and she and and I said to her in the end, Sam, I said, why don't you do us a favour and stop writing this rubbish about women and write some really good cookbooks and baking books? Because yeah. that's what you really like doing. And that's not being sexist in any way, but that's what you like. So why don't you stop hating your own kind and start, you know, start on another journey? Yeah, yeah. And it was it was just so interesting and, and stuff like that. You find out lots of things. But, you know. It's um, I think my my year was the last year before it went a little bit like um, really cruel. Yeah, you know, it was the last one. There was sort of frictions and things going on, but you know, you know, the worst we got in the garden was being gunked. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. You know, and the and and um, you know, yes, we would have to stand behind podiums and say who said this. Do you know what I mean? And you go, oh, yeah. and afterwards you go, well, yeah, I said it when I was, you know, like. You know, in the bath to myself, you know, I didn't sort of say it to anybody yeah. else. But, um, it's, but, it's, um, it's the whole of, well, out of context. Yeah, that looks awful. You know, but yeah. within context, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it's it was definitely an experience. It, it's definitely one of those programs that 
you go and you, you know you're sitting at the telly we as people and i've done it myself you sit there judging it and going yeah. oh my god that person's like that but of course we know editing is very clever and it edits what it wants and it edits you know like you said out of context things can come across as either great or not so i think a lot of people have to think about that when they're watching all these reality programs that when you you know there've got to be in any pantomime there's got to be a villain yep. there's got to be a, a goodie there's got to be a bit of a non entity you know um there's got to be you know there's got to be a fairy godmother of course. and there, you know there's got to be all of those uh pantoy type caricatures and um you know they now cast these things mm-hmm. knowing that these people are like that in the in 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 the real world in inverted commas, you know. So well, talking yeah. of talking of fairy godmothers and pantomime, the in my eyes, the the perfect uh, fairy godmother was Babs Dame Barbara Windsor, who uh, yeah. sadly passed away. Uh, you must have known Babs very well. Oh, I tell you what, I I just adored her. I just adored her. I used to sit, Cal. I'm one of these sort of, oh, uh, you know. This is really weird. I did it with a lot of people uh, I've been very blessed to work with, uh, Barbara and June Brown, of course. Yes, of um, course. I, I would, I would, I would follow them. I wouldn't. I would say, "Can I come and sit with you for a little while in your room?" And they go, "Yeah, of course." Barbara was, "Yeah, of course you can, darling. Come in. <laughs> you, know, you get, you, you get your cup of tea." And she'd be, you know, faffing around with her hair or sitting there, and she'd go, "Oh, look at this, look at that." And then I'd get her on to talking about things and ask her questions. And I loved asking questions about the carry-ons and about um, her time in in, uh, in um, uh, Stratford East, and you know, her time. All I loved and the craze and everything. I would sit there in a dressing room and listen to the stories, and I just I consumed it like I I would consume you know chocolate. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I was like literally <laughs> um, sort of I gorged until I couldn't kind of anymore. Um, and she was funny, and she and she gave me the best bit of advice I'd ever, ever have. And I take it with me. I will take it with me. And I'm sure she gave this to everybody. But to me, specifically, I remember her saying, doesn't matter, darling, what's going on inside your four walls. You know, whatever's happening, you know, if you're good or bad, when you get outside there, you put on a smile and you make sure that you are there for your public. And even though that's hard, she was the consummate professional at yeah. that and you could not ever fault her you know even if you <laughs> even if you knew she was having a bad day or she was grumpy about something <laughs> on set she walked down the corridor and it was if it was you know somebody she hadn't seen all day she'd go oh hello darling yeah. <laughs> and they go yeah thanks barbara she'd make them feel good and then afterwards she'd go yeah, the bloody set, bloody, bloody. <laughs> yeah, she was actually going to a rant about something, not about the person, but about whatever she was thinking about. Um, so she was, she was just um, lovely, and um, and uh, you know, uh, we we just talked about lots of things. And I'd worked with Kenneth Connor on in a lower low at the yeah. time. Kenneth Connor was like, so we were talking. You know, we had a little strand of interest with you know, like with, of common common interest, and um, but I just. I just, I just get so humbled and blessed at the people I've worked with. And when I look at it in my life, I kind of go, oh, and even if I just sat there in the same room as them and listening to them, it's kind of like they give off this kind of thing and you just, this is aura and you just don't kind of know. It's like I said, it's like it's something that you get engulfed in. Um, and, and, you know, 
there's a very famous picture on on the Instagram. Um, I've actually put it up on my Instagram. Um, it's on, on social media of me and Barbara. I think I I put it up when she passed away. Me and Barbara walking arm in arm. Um, and I'm in Heather's and she's wearing a coat. Yeah. And what people don't realise is that probably about a minute before that picture was taken, we were on location and from behind a tree, a man had come out and flashed at us <laughs> in a right in a mat completely. And the security had grappled him to the, and you can't see out of shots. So a pap was there. Somebody had arranged this to do a pap was there. They papped this situation they packed the fla flasher they packed everything they packed him being grappled to the ground and then they packed the reaction of me. and do you know what that picture is classic cal um you know your listeners just need to have a look because it's like we just walk on like nothing's happened <laughs> like and she went and she and i remember her saying to me well that was nothing to show was it and it was just <laughs> hilarious and that is what she said as that picture was being taken, well, that was nothing to show, was it? And and like, and the, and the picture's great. I mean, it's really great. And and things like that, you just kind of, you know, the memories of having that are, are just fantastic. I can't, you know. And she will be not just missed by. I mean, there. If you know, we want to use words, legend or whatever. She literally was a national treasure. Yeah. And you know, she will never ever um go in my eyes you know she never will not be in my in my memory as long and everybody else's because they've all got a, a story to tell about barbara you know our bar our bar we've got you know there's, there's there's lots of stories and she's she you know she's probably you know up there now having cups of tea you know her and cliff richard you know um everybody else they'll all be up there having a cup of tea and um cliff richard's not dead is he? no why did I say that? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Have you got inside information, Cheryl? Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh no, do you know what, Callow? Oh please, I'm so sorry, Cliff, if you listen. Um I just no she, she, Oh no, Matron. Um, oh, she's what, she's what? got a she's got a Cliff Richard C D on. That's what she's doing. Why did that came into my head? Oh no, oh no, no please cow. Look what happened. Oh no, 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 no. Let me just tell you now. I, I, I used to be known as the White Witch of Warford because I could predict things. That's not a lie. That's absolutely a lie. So I, oh, no. No. Long may you reign, Sir Cliff. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't, maybe I didn't mean Cliff, Richard. Who did I mean then? Who's popped their clogs recently that's gone up there that she would have... I don't know. I'm digging myself into this <laughs> mass... I'm digging myself into my own grave here. Sorry, Babs. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> the cliff, I apologise now. Allegedly, uh, you know. What's next for you, Cheryl? Quick, carry on. As as, as Bubs would say, carry on. Carry on. Carry on. <laughs> What's next carry for you? Carry on, Halbert, please. Carry on. <laughs> What's next for you? Um, what's next for me? Well, I've been very lucky that I have been able to do a bit of filming before Christmas, which I absolutely, oh my gosh, loved very, very much. Uh, fantastic character. Um, it's coming out for Sky this year. Um, so I did, yeah, I did it end of last year. 
um, and it's amazing how they can film stuff now. And you know, COVID tested every two days. Um, everything was safe and secure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a family uh, entertainment thing um, with somebody I've worked with before, who's helped to who's written it with somebody else, um, and uh, starring some lovely people. Uh, had a fantastic time, was in the mud quite a lot. There's a lot of mud involved. Um, uh, so that was fun. But it's, um, yeah, a lovely family, I think, hour-long uh, film thing uh, for Sky. And in fact, I think the clue I can give you only is that there was one on Sky this Christmas uh, by the same person with the same person in it and um that's all i can say oh interesting interesting so yes. keep uh, keep eyes out eyes peeled for uh... eyes peeled yeah and yeah and, and um I, i'm hoping to do another filming this summer for something uh, equally amazing and absolutely that one this one um is definitely one to watch out for too uh, when it comes out when it's announced um because Working in a game with somebody I've worked with before, amazing. Um, they, that person's um, helped create it along with other people I've worked with before. And um, it's going to be very different. Let's put it this way. It, it's not Heather Trot. <laughs> I, I'm, I am now getting myself far removed from Heather Trot as possible. <laughs> not because I didn't love her, but because, you know, there are more characters to play in the world than Heather Trot. And, uh, <laughs> let, let, you know. That's uh, that's the way to do it. As we know, when we worked together, I was uh, a baddie and I loved it. You were a baddie, I yeah. I loved playing. That's the thing, you know. They forget that actors, uh, although we get typecast and that's wonderful because we work, we also can do other things. We are chameleons. And, and um, when we're lucky enough to work, when our industry lets us um, and we're blessed enough to work, then, uh, you know, so playing baddies was good. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved it sort of pushing Christopher Maloney to the ground and, <laughs> and uh, being evil to other people. And and the lovely Pippa who played the fairy just wasn't it nice to just be horrible. There was one line you used to say, and I'd be standing in the wings and I'd uh, I'd have snatched Rapunzel. So, uh, oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, there was a line that I would smirk and laugh at every time, every single time. It was where you'd come out and you'd say... Oh, you don't ask stinker poo. And- <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 There was <laughs> lovely lines like that. You see, you get to do all those pooey, farty jokes <laughs> in a kind of very nasty voice. <laughs> I've got one final question for you, Cheryl. Who of your celebrity friends would you like to see on this podcast? Oh, oh, well. All of them, because I think this <laughs> podcast is going to be fantastic. And if they're not on it, I mean, you're not in it. If you can't, you're not in it to win it. Yeah, you've got to be in it to win it. So what I say is, um, if you don't get on this podcast, if you're not asked and you don't do it, then you're foolish because it's fun. It's like, you know, it's like being able to just, it's like therapy. <laughs> it's been like. Well, I'm in a padded cell. So therapy. That's, that's... <laughs> yeah, it's been like, and I think, um, I'd be quite happy to sort of say, yeah, you know, if this bloke comes up to you, Cal Albert, and says, uh, "Can you? would you fancy doing a podcast? I'd be going, yeah, you got to say yes, because it's good, it's fun. And we also, you know, we also need to encourage this kind of thing. And, you know, you are a talent yourself, Cal. I mean, you know, I'm not, people. for people who don't 
I mean, you know, people who don't know your work, you are extremely talented, funny, but man. And um, very kind, you know, you, thank you. no, 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 I'm not. Uh, you know, I, I, yes, I am kind. I am kind. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I am truthful. Um, so working with you is amazing. So I think anybody you can get the anybody who has the opportunity to work with you, even if it's just on a podcast, should do it. Cheryl, thank you so much, and thank you for coming on to the Cal Halbert podcast. Ah, uh, thank you. The Cal Halbert podcast. And there we go. There is my first episode. And what an episode to start on. Please find Cheryl Ferguson on all her social medias and things. She she does loads of live videos and things like that. And she's so, so funny. If you enjoyed this show, please, please, please give it a share. Tell all your friends about it. And if you can, subscribe so you never miss an episode. And another favour, could you give us five stars? I mean, you don't have to, but... It does really help me out if you can. As I said, I hope you enjoyed that episode and I shall see you next week for another spectacular episode. (laughs) The Cal Halbert Podcast. You've been listening to a Calbert Media production.